0: Hi, I'm Raylene Taskowski, and I've talked to over 10,000 women about sex over the past decade. Welcome to the Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed Podcast. Welcome
1: to Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like,
0: How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And, How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also, Why is it so high in here? Audiences agree, it's brilliantly funny. Raylene
1: makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. (laughs) There's
0: nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you.
1: (laughs) You've got to see stand up comedy sex ed.
0: I am ready to go do that comedy show. (laughs) Hey, everybody, and welcome to the stand up comedy sex ed podcast hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guy, girl, guest, or guru and today's guest guru and gal is sophia wiseone who is the host of vagina talks and medicine caller podcast welcome sophia tell me all about you to all about me oh my goodness like where everything. does one start
1: everything okay <laughs> Well, I have a cat. Her name is Honey Bear. She's not living with me currently. She's living with my dad and his wife. And I've been nomadic and I really miss her. And I feel like that's the most important thing for you to know. Um, It's the most important thing for
0: her to know. It's,
1: (laughs) I really miss you, Honey Bear. Please forgive me. It was never supposed to be this long. Okay. So I am a, I'm like Philly, born and raised, like actress, storyteller, singer, performer, over the top, too loud, too fucking sensitive. Like all the things, lost my mind at 18, mental health breakdown, um, was totally rooted in the rhythm of my menstrual cycle, which initiated me into deep, attention to uh, my womb and my menstruation. And my roots are like very mystic, spiritual, touchy-feely, all the feels. So when my body and mind had a collapse, I really looked to the that approach to find my healing and my way through. And so I have found that most of my sanity was kind of tucked inside the insanity around my body, my sexuality, my emotionality, my power, my medicine, my voice, my creativity. That's a, that's some
0: stuff about me. Cool. I I actually when you said something about the um how things were caught in your menstrual cycle sort of thing. Yeah. Um I had the mumps um when i was in high school which is pretty rare people don't hear about it and what would happen is every month when i would get my menstrual cycle my face would swell up a little bit i would get a fever i'd get unwell as people do during their periods and i had a homeopathic doctor who at one who had literally said i think that it's it, it's in the menstrual cycle and he gave me a homeopathic remedy which pushed the mumps out of the monthly cycle and into a full-blown case of the mumps which she could then treat which it then went away and it's a it's like a really weird thing that people I mean it's people like that's just crazy your doctor's crazy whatever's crazy but it wasn't it was like every month I would get sick and my face would swell up and the homeopathic remedy pushed it I got a full-blown case of the mumps I have a nice scar right on my cheek if anybody ever sees me there's a cheek uh, darling I have a scar because um, the mumps itself was swollen and uh, a a baby that I was holding, you know, they're little and they just flail their hands about and he just like whacked me right at it and it kind of popped the little cyst that it was in and then created, it was, I think, and I'm not a medicine person by any means, but I think I remember them saying it was like a hemogeic cyst or something like that. And it went through my skin and I still have a scar there. Uh, and back in high school, people would think it was a hickey. Uh, I actually didn't get a, I kept not getting jobs. And finally, one day I was interviewing and the guy was looking at me and I'm like, what are you looking at? And he goes, did you come to a job interview with a hickey? And I'm like, no, it's a scar. And he's like, oh, okay. So I got that job. And then all of a sudden I was like, I wonder if that's why I wasn't getting other jobs. And then. What the fucking sex shaming? Can I just. I well, yeah, yell, up and yell about. that was the 80s though we we yeah. did a lot of streaming in the 80s. journey um but then i remember i, I met a guy <laughs> in a bar one time and he's he was looking at the other side and i'm like what are you looking at and he goes is there an exit wound and i'm like from what he goes didn't you get did you get stabbed like <laughs> i'm like what no son i did not get stabbed in my face And it did not go all the way through. So looking for the straight across the bottom of your right, um, it would. I mean, at that point, it would have gone through my carotid, dumbass. (laughs) Like I would be dead. But that's weird because that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that something was really linked to their periods. Um, and in and in my case, it really was linked.
1: So yeah, you know, many, many, many medicine practices look at the menstrual cycle as a vital sign, the way like, like you can read
0: the cycle as a way to read the whole system. That's probably fair. I mean, they probably should because it's a huge, huge part of everything.
1: Um, It's a real indicator of what's happening or not happening.
0: Yeah. You have a podcast called Vagina Talks, and I think that's how we actually got connected is on a, a She Talks she podcast, she yes. So we just like threw it up what we were doing, and I was like, yes, if you talk about the vagina, I want to talk to you. So here we are. Tell me what here your podcast are. is about, and maybe some people will come and listen to yours from mine. Come
1: hang out with Vagina Talks. We talk about... All, all the things that what did i say i think in the intro i say we talk about two from and about vaginas and i like to say genitals in general right so so i so I had all this stuff menstrual stuff and then I came into this like deep red tent menstrual blood witch like magic healing spiritual practice rooted in my menstrual blood. How, who's with me? Anybody with me? Everyone's like what is happening right now? <laughs> Who is this person? <laughs> she said stuff? menstrual tent. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like really standard for me, I forget that it's, I've been doing, you know, I've been, I've been having this really intimate relationship with my menstrual cycle now for, you know, all that stuff blew up and I had to start tracking and really paying attention to that stuff in 2004. So what, 16 years, it's like, it's like really standard for me. And I really forget sometimes that people are like, it's all like a little bit new or sketchy, but so, um, and then I had pelvic pain for six years wow. and yeah, that was vaginismus or painful sex people. Yeah. These like things of just being like my pelvic floor went into spasm and I say, I was a walking around Anita Franco song, early Ani DeFranco and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, just a gaping wound between my legs, you know? And, uh, and that's when I got into, I've been trained as a body worker already for, Blah, a decade at this point, but I Wait, went and became
0: what's a body worker.
1: Oh, like a massage therapist, oh, okay. but a bunch of different modalities. So massage is actually only one type of body work. So like okay. body work and energy work. So I'm trained and I'm currently trained in over twenty different modalities. So different ways to touch and interact with the body and the, the physical body and the subtle body energy body systems. So thanks for asking. So I'm trained in all of these different ways to interact and help the body rebalance, come into optimization is a word I love to talk about, kind of really optimizing an opportunity for healing or enlightenment or self-awareness, relationship betterment, right? When I started having pelvic pain, I had this realization that there was one part of my body after over a decade of doing body work that had never been touched, and it was my vagina and my anus that I, it was like, literally I've had body work in my nose, in my mouth, in my ears, like in my armpit, like behind my knee. But this one, four inches was like, no, you can't touch that. And I was in extreme pain. And I was, I had a partner at the time and was like, this is not their job. You know, like, this is not fun times with partner. This is like, I need fucking help. So I called my friend who went to Burning Man, and had come back from Burning Man and told me about this, like, wild healing experience. And I was like, yo, you're the only person I know, what do I do? So she handed me this book uh, by Tammy Kent, The Wild Feminine. And Cami Kent came up with this process called Holistic Pelvic Care. And it is intravaginal therapeutic restorative breath and bodywork techniques to restore uh, the pelvic floor. And, and and womb energy. And so I studied that work and then I went and studied with Tammy Kent and, and then I've integrated her technique into kind of my larger technique of, of healing and facilitation. And so vagina talk stemmed out of one of the most powerful and transformative practices that I've ever encountered. And it's like, you know, 20 different modalities, like all the different yogas, breath work all day, like journal prompts. Like I I will self-care you. I liter I literally wrote a book that has over 195 different self-care practices and group exercises. Like all day I will tell you about some shit you can do. And what I can tell you is pelvic floor work is one of the most potent and powerful ways to transform your life and address all sorts of issues that we don't even think about as issues that we just think are normal like peeing after you have birth or having really dry vagina or pain during sex people right. think that's normal and it's like
0: no turns I'm a, out i'm a big proponent for sex should never be painful uh um, mm-hmm. but the, it, it's, it's like i'm one of those ones who sneeze and pees laughs and pees coughs and pees gags and pees um, and uh-huh. I know that's not normal, but I also, it, it's like when you get to, this is going to sound really bad, but we all know somebody who was severely overweight and rather than dying in exercises, went and had surgery, right? And because it's, it, and they will argue that that was not an easier choice, but yeah, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, you know how much, it was technically an easier choice, right? it may not have been the most pleasant choice, but, you know, six and one, half dozen of the other, it's not great. So I, and then I, I got to the point where, you know, after my kids and everything and the sneezing peeing, coughing, peeing, blah, 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 blah. I could do Kegels or I could go to the doctor and say, do something, fix this shit. Right. Cause, cause the Kegels, we sell Benoit balls. Right. And you know, and, and I, and all of my friends are big, components of Kegel, 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 Kegel. And and I tell people like, I hold my Kegel. And then when I go to let it go, I realize it let go already. And I've just been holding my breath.
1: (laughs) No, stop doing Kegels. I'm so glad I'm here. We need to talk. This is very serious. This is very serious. Give me a solution. Yes, I can give you a solution. How about that? Isn't that wild? Isn't it amazing how much we walk around in our lives thinking like, there's just nothing we can do. Meanwhile, there's like literally so many fucking options. We just don't know about them. Okay. So here's the thing about Kegels. Most people's pelvic floors, the muscles of our, of our root are out of balance. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you're doing a Kegel, I want you to think about going to the gym, picking up weights and doing them in terrible form. Every all the time. And then so you're just wondering, moving the
0: weights around, but you're not really doing anything properly.
1: No, I've and in seen fact those people at the gym. That's right. The, 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 and in the, fact, what you're doing is you're perpetuating misalignment and you're worsening imbalance. That you sounds will
0: literally true.
1: Damage, you will in you will increase your the ways in which it's out of balance and not working. So your tight muscles will get tighter, your weak muscles will get weaker. Okay. So, there is a time for Kegels and there's a time for vaginal weightlifting. There's a time to do those things. It's not most of the time for most people in our culture right now. And I know this from literally doing work on people's bodies. Kegel assessment. Most people do a Kegel assessment as a sing, if they have ever had a Kegel assessment, it's a singular assessment with either one or two fingers inside, a squeeze and that's it. Tammy Kent teaches uh, quadrant assessment. And that's when you put a finger or two inside, you press in four directions forward, side, the other side, back, do kegels and see where are you engaging, how is it engaging. And very, very rarely are people who are having issues having balanced engagement. One place it's really not engaged, the other place it's like hyper engaged, the other place is like not there at all. What I know from doing all this work is that massage, therapeutic massage that most people are not weak, they are tight and they are not just tight, they are out of balance and that it is actually the, the misalignment that creates the inability to create stability right? Okay. So it's like, you're always holding with your left side. And so your right side is just kind of hanging out to dry. And then your, your ability to support the bladder is unbalanced, right? It's like, like fly, you know, like everything's like messed around. So uh, I have an episode on Vagina Talks where I talk about doing pelvic floor massage on yourself. I also have a course in which I guide people through doing pelvic floor massage on themselves. And also you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist or holistic pelvic care provider, someone who can do the work of assessing and then actually releasing the tension so that you can bring the tension down and then find out what's actually weak and what's actually strong. Most of the time when I do work on people, It's not that they're weak, it's that they were holding tension. You can't engage a muscle. It's it's like, if you're listening, just like pull your shoulders up to your ears and then try to pull them up to your ears.
0: Right, right.
1: No, right, You you have to drop them And then you can roll them and then you can tone them and then you can use them, but you have to figure out how to let go. At the same time, a lot of the places in our pelvic bowl or our our root or pelvic floor are not engaging because they are holding emotional patterns that are very uncomfortable. One of the things that I often kind of describe about in our body, our body doesn't lie. Our body always tells the truth and, and it tells the truth about its experience. So not like maybe the truth, like some always true for everybody, but true for yourself, like what it is. And so the body is holding this knowing and for a reason, you know? And so a lot of the time, almost all of us are walking around with some sort of root trauma either from our child, we are living in a war and rape culture that it's we can't really navigate interacting in this world without being bombarded in some way that makes our base root needs go like, that doesn't feel great, let alone any actual trauma that a lot of people experience. And so it can be sexual trauma. It can be Emotional, the root, of the pelvic floor often holds the most base: mothering, fathering, caregiving, you know right to be alive, people who struggle with uh, eating disorders or suicidal ideation or suicide attempts. you're often going to find I'm talking like the deep, like the deep, deep stuff. I say the deeper the muscle, the, the kind of that heavier the shit. Like you store the stuff you don't want to touch in places you don't go often, and so if you're not really Ooh. embodying mm-hmm And so if you're not in your presence, in your root, it's a great place to store the stuff you don't want to think about. It's far away from your head and it's there. So then when you go to engage, we avoid really being connected. And I think a lot of people experience this when they start to have really great heartfelt sex. They meet someone new, they feel really safe, they start to have fabulous sex. And then it's like, all these feelings come up and all these fears come up and all these, like all this stuff comes up and it's cause literally they've been holding this stuff in their root. And, uh, and then it comes falling out. And the cool thing is you can do this proactively therapeutically with yourself or with support so that it doesn't just spill all over your sweet lover who is
0: you know, wondering why you're time. crying after you just had a great <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> right. Saw the crygasms love them. It, they're very relieving for sure
1: you're just in and in I, the, nothing wrong with that but just you know it's like share the load is how i feel about it share right. the
0: load i was just going to say though is that is that where those crygasm's come from when you you've hit a spot and and you're just i don't know if it's just straight up relief or i've heard of i heard of a uh, i heard of a girl recently and i don't know if I, i've been listening to a lot of stuff watching a lot of stuff about a guy who cried every time he had an orgasm and I was like, well, that's unusual, but I don't that's may- an option. That's a way to be. Maybe, you know, some, I, I maybe, can't maybe that's where restri- his pain
1: is. Right. I can't give you a total simple answer around that because I think we have an oversimplified understanding of crying. Right. Crying is, uh, crying is, is, has many, many purposes right. in our, in our being. Right. Well, and it's so joy,
0: it's pain, it's stress, it's, relief. It's right. I mean,
1: yeah, it's movement. It's, it's a way of expressing and moving. So even so when we have
0: feelings,
1: that's right. When we have feelings and their hormones that get jumped in our body, we literally release those hormones through our tears, through the snot, through this, like the, when the fluids come out of our body, those fluids are holding the hormones that we just dumped. It's, oh. We're actually we're actually releasing those feelings, and when we store them and we keep ourselves from crying or we hold back, then our body has to digest those hormones through the other organs and other systems that we have. It's one way to move. And the thing about hormones or feelings in general is whether they're happy or sad or angry or ecstatic is that they're meant to move. They're supposed to move through us, not to like show up and then stay forever so anything that moves them working out crying laughing breathing the kidneys it moves it
0: yeah that that would be why after you've had a good cleansing cry you feel so much better yeah because it's a
1: cleansing you literally actually goodbye goodbye so i'm sure it comes out of our 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 juices too
0: right but it comes out of everything everywhere um my my you daughter was just no. surprised yesterday to find that. She's like, Well, when you work out, where does the fat go? Like, and and she Google it. And she's it comes out in your pee. And I'm like, I mean, you could have asked me, I could have told you that, because that's one of the main things. Like back when I used to diet and exercise a lot, um, you know, I would work out and I would drink a ton of water, and everybody's like, Oh, if you drink all this water, you pee all the time. And I'm like, and I just picture all my calories, all my fat, just floating on on a wave of pee like bye (laughs) bye water soluble exactly get out um but you did say something that is interesting and i had heard it on another podcast there was i tried googling it real quick while while we were talking and i couldn't find it but i will try to find it there's a, a podcast about a woman who was having super painful sex all of a sudden and they found out that it was because of her birth control pills. And one of, there was two things that were happening. One of them was that there's this little muscle that goes around the entrance to the vagina and the pill was um, making it less pliable. So sex Uh was painful. And the other part was that her internal muscles were clenching because it was painful. And so there were two parts that she needed to heal from. And one was she needed to stop taking the birth control pill so that one Little area would relax again, but she also needed pelvic floor therapy to relax those muscles because that wasn't going to change. And she said the same thing. It was basically pelvic floor therapy. She said basically, I paid somebody a thousand dollars to finger me three times, you know, to try. And so, I know (laughs) you're. It's
1: like really not how I would describe my work, but it's not wrong. Yeah, right. I hear that. Yeah. So yeah. you can it. describe it
0: that way. I'm not going to describe it that right. way. <laughs> but it's it, it it but just so people are clear when we're talking about the pelvic floor therapy and the pelvic floor massage, someone you or someone else is massaging putting your their pelvic hand. floor.
1: I'm putting my hand or a tool inside your right. vagina going through the opening. And then I like to say, hang a left, you hit the left hip, hang a right, you hit the right hip. You right. know, it's like, you like swing up and that's the urethral sponge. That's all that tension, that front anterior. There's all the musculature. There's the vaginal tissue, pelvic floor work. One of the reasons I wouldn't call it fingering right. is because Sorry. pelvic floor work. No, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm it's serious. Like when people call me the sex toilet and, and I'm you like, that's it. not right, but. but. Like, okay, sure, sure. whatever. The, because... Um, many physical therapists are working specifically with the musculature and the connective tissue, not the erectile vaginal tissue. Right which if you're not a body worker if you're not someone who works on someone's body you might not understand those differences but it's like the difference between when someone's like touching your skin and when they're touching like really your muscle or whether they're pressing through and touching your bone that as right. as professionals who touch bodies we we decipher between those things now when i do the work that i do now i learned you know therapeutic pelvic floor work years ago now and it's really integrated in I will work on any layer of those tissues if i 'm finding a a bind a physical bind or a or an energetic bind, a hold in there, so whether it 's surface connective tissue or that erectile sponge tissue or the musculature. Or the tendons, or the things like all of those things that you know. I come from a, a ceremony medicine base that isn't so like medical pelvic floor oriented, but pe- pelvic floor physical therapists are specifically going to be looking at predominantly the musculature and the um, the connective tissue that's happening in that space, and helping those release tension and strengthen, and then reorient so that they're in proper alignment.
0: My daughter, after she had a. Uh her first baby she had to go to a pelvic floor specialist uh and have the therapy done because her vagina just wouldn't work properly after the first baby and so yeah. she had to go have pelvic floor therapy and she basically said you know like weirdest thing i ever did but it worked and i wish more people were aware that that existed cuz there's a lot of women who have problems especially after having babies where and she's she said one of one of her problems and this probably goes right into what you said she for some reason wasn't i wish she had told me she was doing this because i probably would have told her not to she did kegels every single day of her pregnancy and i was like why are you strengthening the muscle that needs to relax to let the baby out Mm. Because everybody, because that's like, people say that. And it's right. like,
1: no, no.
0: She had an please, app and don't. she just did her Kegels every day and she tore like crazy. Crazy. And that then happens. the doctor afterwards was like, what'd you do? And, and she said, K- you should have not done Kegels. You literally, none no. of this would have happened. Sad. Coconut oil and massaging,
1: lavender baths, Epsom salt, stretching. Relax that area. Fucking, get some good penetration up in there. Right. Relax, relax. Yeah, Yeah. relax, relax, relax. Tightened it all up. Plenty strong enough. If if, If you can stand up straight and walk around, actually, probably your pelvic floor is strong enough to do any of the things that you need to do. Have a baby carry some stuff if you need to be strengthening something for most of us it actually has to do with our abdominal muscles to be able to hold it up and our pelvic and relaxing softening the pelvic floor through our thighs and our our sacrum making that a softer place because it's usually carrying all the weight and the tension anyway most of the t- most of the time strength is not the issue
0: yeah so she did have to go in, and do that. And oh, Darling. I'm I, so glad it helped and that she
1: knew about it. So many doctors don't even know to prescribe it for their. Patients.
0: Yeah. Her doctor told her and, and it helped. Ugh. And it helped as evidenced by the fact that she has two more of them now. She has three children now. So, and I don't think she's had the same problem with the other two. as She did in the first, cause she learned, but uh, honestly, when she told me that afterwards, I was like, why were you doing Kegels? Don't do Kegels when you're pregnant. People do that.
1: All, people talk about that all the time. I mean, I've had I've had friends get pregnant and be like, "I'm doing my Kegels," and me be like, "No, no, please don't." You know, or yeah. people do all the time, and they're like, "Well, you know, I should do this." It's it's really one of the common miseducations of like of what you need to do when you're preparing. It really is. So, yeah. spread the word, loves. Tell everyone you know. It's just that Kegels are like a. It's like for a few minutes. In, I talk about Kegels and reverse Kegels. Pulling in and pushing out are incredibly useful for. Um, if you're connecting them with your breath, is really useful for releasing. We're talking about that like emotional stuff that's stored there. Really useful for increasing your posture, getting your presence of mind and your connection really good for circulation, doing Kegels before having sex can be really good for a few of them with some big breaths can help you get circulation going down there. That, that, those are the places, meditation, those are the places that it's, it's useful. This aggressive, I need to be tighter is, uh, yeah, let it go. Just let it go. Just let it wash. just let it just wash. Just let it wash. Let away. it
0: go. Let it go. Let Sorry. Go. <laughs> Let's throw some Disney Never. in with our vagina talk. Why not?
1: <laughs> Any chance. I'm obsessed with Frozen the whole series. Right. So not a problem. She's a witch. It's a story about repression of feminine power. And it's so good. I exactly. Could, we could do we could really go off rails here, but I'm gonna stay here. Stay. <laughs> stay <laughs> stay. Focus.
0: So what's your favorite thing to talk about in your uh, vagina talks? What do you think is the most important thing women should know about their vaginas?
1: Hmm. Ooh.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I didn't mean to throw that at you. (laughs) No, no, it's
1: good. It's really good. Well, it's just like really the like the Kegel tight tension. That piece is like one, one thing that feels very real. For me, really in my heart, And like my, like really, like I, like, let me really get up on a soapbox. My biggest thing is listen, learn to understand the language of your own body and listen to what your vagina is saying to you. That's my favorite thing to talk about is that our, our bodies are constantly communicating with us and that we think about most, many people don't even think about that. We think about the body just kind of like doing this thing and we have to like control it or manage it. But I have this very clear understanding that all symptoms and sensations are messages, like a phone ringing, messages from the body trying to tell us something and that most people don't know that. And so just like put it on mute. They take a tie and all, they ignore it. They deny it. There's no phone ringing, nothing happening here. Not a problem, right? Like, nope, I didn't feel that. Nope. Did you feel that? Nope. I didn't feel that. You know, that there's that. And my that, tooth doesn't and hurt that, right
0: now. This jaw no. does not hurt. I am definitely not mm. going to go to the dentist and spend a thousand dollars. Right. Or like what you were talking about, just being like it's not happening every
1: month that I'm getting these weird symptoms with my mental cycle. That's just, I mean, that's just a weird thing. I'm just weird. I'm just broken. It's just a, it'll pass. And it's, I have this understanding, very clear understanding that those are deep wisdom that is, is asking for our attention. And so learning how to pick up that phone. And when we first pick up the phone, it often sounds like gibberish or a foreign language. We don't even understand what it's saying. It's like, okay, you've got my attention, but like, what does it mean? And, and the biggest thing that I really want to encourage people is that you can learn the language of your body. You can learn the language of your vagina, your root, your womb, your genitals, your anus, your tissues, your heart. Like these parts, these parts of your body are telling you something that is incredibly important for your wealth, your health, your well being, your joy, your ability to relate. I think so many marriages, so many parent child relationships, so many career paths could be so more. Uh, fulfilling and peaceful. If we listened to the messages that we were getting, not just from the thoughts in our head, but from all of the different um, kind of messages that we get, you know, and and the body communicating is is that it's real, that it's talking to you. It's not trying to make a problem. Like like it's not it's not trying to take you down. Like the pain, the, the irritation, the symptom. It's not your body hating you. And I think that we've been so conditioned. To hate ourselves, that we um, can brush off a lot as as it's like, oh well, I hate myself, so I must just be hating myself. And I'm like, no, that is your love, that's your wisdom, that's like you trying to take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, it will get louder the more you don't listen. Yeah, like it will not give up. It will get louder. Like I lost my fucking mind and had to drop out of college because my symptoms were my wisdom saying you cannot continue these behaviors they are incredibly dysfunctional I will take you down every to to
0: whatever degree that I have to to get your attention I think your your body just wants to live and we need to remember that our bodies are not against us our bodies are for us Our bodies want to live. Our brains Mm. want to do whatever the fuck they want to do, but our bodies want to live. Mm. And so if your body is saying, Mm. this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, there's a reason it's telling you that. This hurts, this doesn't feel good. I'm not sleeping well. I'm upset. Here's some heartburn to let you know that what you're eating is not serving me. Mm -hmm. I want to live, and you are. Fucking this up for me. (laughs) Totally. And like what we're eating, right?
1: Like sometimes we're eating, you know, organic salad with this imported vinaigrette. And the company that we're keeping is someone sitting across from us while we're eating this food saying nasty, horrible things about us subversively or talking about our family members as though they're horrible things. We're eating that. And if you get heartburn while you're eating the right kind of food, my question is what else are you taking in that your body is saying? No, I will literally send acid to protect myself
0: from taking this in any farther. Yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting. I mean, I I can imagine right now we're we're still, when this comes out, hopefully we'll be on the other side of COVID, but probably not. (sighs) But there's just so much. Like I went to the dentist yesterday because like I said, I've been having this pain in my jaw, pain in my jaw, pain in my jaw. And I was like, I am not going to wait until this is an abscess and it costs Mm -hmm. me thousands of dollars to fix. I'm gonna go pay for an emergency appointment and say what's going on in my mouth. And she did all the x-rays and she said, you're probably clenching while you're sleeping because you're under stress. Clenching while you're
1: sleeping, yeah. And she said, and it's
0: really common right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, We've got other stuff we need to work out, but there is nothing outstanding that is going to, you know, become super problematic right away. But to know that even though I think I'm doing okay, my body might still be stressed about this stuff yeah, is, is good to know. Cause I do know for a fact that I have gained almost 25 pounds since this started. I can see it. I know we're doing mm. this on a zoom call. I can see it. I can see it in my face. I look nasty right now. And I know you probably don't think so because you've never No, no, I can't stand by that. I can't, you can't talk
1: to yourself like that (laughs) in front of me, uh, broadcast. You got to, you got to model right now how to shift that for people. You can't tell, you can't call yourself nasty like that. Your body, let's, uh, can I do this with you right now? Sure. Are you okay? All right. Your body, you're saying this, your body is not being nasty to you. It's not looking nasty. Your body is saying, I need I need comfort. I need protection. I need to be held. I need to be supported. I need to be insulated, right? That's I am what your well insulated
0: saying. right now, for
1: sure. Yeah, and and that you can see, and that you can see yourself and say, like, wow, I don't, I don't want to have to protect myself that way. Like, like see yourself with a compassionate heart and say, like, ah, oh, like that's what that is. But that is your, that is still your body going. This is a lot. And I need, I need more care. Like right. your, I need more care. And maybe you've been doing that by eating. And sometimes people gain weight without changing any of their eating or exercising habits. And that is real. Sometimes people lose weight without changing any of their eating and their exercise habits. And that's because the body is doing what it is can know how to do safely to take care of itself, to prepare itself, to repair itself. It's really doing its best. And so for you to say, okay, I've gained weight, I'm insulating, I'm clenching my jaw. Those are very clear indicators that you, that your being is needing more emotional care than it's been getting. That's all that means. That's what it's like. It's like, I'm, I need more care you know, and we're in a global pandemic. This right. is a crisis. Like, like one of my, you know, I was reminded the other day, it's like, we, I forget who says it. Uh, I wish I could remember. Leah Moon said it, but she was quoting someone else who said, um, under, under stress, we fall to the level of our training. Right In a crisis, we fall to the level of our training. We go down to our, what we've really ingrained in ourselves. And so I'm sure there's a lot of ways in which you have been taking incredibly good care of yourself, your partner, your work, like that there are ways in which you've cultivated care and love and pleasure in your life. And those have sustained you in this time. And some of those other things that like when you're doing well or you're learning or you're growing or you're developing new practices, Those are not the things that we necessarily fall to when we're coping. We don't fall to our new skills when we're coping. We fall to the ones that are are stable in us. And so it takes extra effort if we're in a crisis, a long-term crisis when we're in. What we're going to see is we're going to see our, and this is true for a global pandemic or just any personal crisis that we go through, we're going to see ourselves drop to our coping. And if we're there for long enough, we're going to be given an opportunity to develop new skills in response to this coping or to find better ways. That's where we can turn that opportunity into self-growth and and better ourselves and say, okay, all right, this is what's been happening for me. How can I move my body, feed my body, Take care of my stress, comfort my anxieties, comfort my heart. Listen, what is it that you're really afraid of? I mean, this is why meditation, this is why every medicine practice across the fucking globe, and I'm gonna say like intergalactic stellar, you know, <laughs> technologies that have been shared with us through the medicine journeys is sitting and breathing and listening to the body. That's it. Just like you don't, have to, like, you don't have to believe in shit to know that if you stop for 10 minutes and breathe, yeah. you're going to have an experience. It's either going to be a relaxing experience or it's going to be an irritating experience that's exposing what has been irritating you while you were moving. You yeah. know? And so just take the 10 minutes to go, what is irritating me? What, what, is, what do I feel so unsafe in? Like, what way do I need to be insulated and buffered and held and
0: supported? What more do I need? I had a couple of friends post lately about how um, this pandemic has been good for them mentally because they were running 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 and running and running and running and running and running, and they were forced to stop. And the beginning times were really really stressful. I watch them go through some really stressful journeys. And then yeah. at the end, they're just, they've, they've learned how to release some of that need to control everything and to relax mm-hmm. into the lives that they have and mm-hmm. their families and their, they've learned how to appreciate the things that are around them. And I, and I'm seeing that in other people I have a really relaxed life. I can, Rarely say I'm ever stressed. Um, I have built a life by design. Well done. Congratulations. That I love. Well done. Yes. And then the pandemic took everything that I make money at and disappeared it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. now I still have all of that relaxation time, but in the times I'm supposed to be working or wanting to work or needing to work, now I'm not working. And so that's probably where I was eating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I think what you said was super helpful because I definitely did insulate because although like I've been telling myself I'm good in, in the beginning, it was like, I'm good through the end of the June. And then I was like, and then I did some things. I'm like, okay, I'm good to the end of July. And then I did more things. I'm like, okay, I'm good to the end of August. And, um, and my husband is still working. So starvation is never really a problem for me. But I think at a, a core lizard level, yeah, you know, my body's like, if there's a zombie apocalypse, I ain't starving anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's got to be the only thing that's really left because, or what, what if my stress is just based on the fact that I feel like I'm not stressed enough? Is that a mess? No,
1: no. I think there's. I mean, there's a wisdom in that. I think there's like a of a cultural a cultural piece of like I should be doing more, like right. a stress of space, you know. And there is like a. My mom talked about this a lot um, with me this fall, uh, of just like she kept using the phrase, "It's good to work. We feel good when we work." Like there's a way, and like there's you know there's like a good in that, and and I I think. Um, You know, so, so I think that there's like, there's, it's, it's, you may have a very simple answer for yourself, but as far as like a general answer of like, is that true? Or is that a mess? It's like, yeah, we can, some, plenty of us have that notion of being like, I should be stressed more and then stress out about that. Some people, we get addicted. We have like, an addicted can be kind of a heavy word, but we can be habituated towards a kind of, um, A hormonal level or an experience. And so when that shifts, we can get really thrown and disoriented that that's, that's, that's a thing that can happen. Um, any change, anything that requires a response is technically a stress on the system. Any stress requires a response is stress. And so most stress is really good. That's how we function through our life. It's a little bit, a little bit of pressure. And then we do a thing. Um, but when it changes, so I would say, you know, I would say looking at that base, 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 base level of providing for yourself, feeding yourself, safety, control, I imagine all of those things are, you know, you've worked really hard to make a life you like yeah. and love. And that was taken away from you, like through circumstance and you've done what you can to, to, to continue to do your work, to share your message, to make money, to do the things. But, you know, I think there's also just an aspect of like, you know, in my book, literally in my book, it's like, did you do a (laughs) grief ritual? You know, like, did you have a moment of, did you, did you sit down and light a candle or, or drink a cup of tea and say, these are all the losses? Of these three months that wow. I lost. Like I was gonna go here, I was gonna see this person, I was gonna hold that baby. And like I'm gonna not on that cruise. <laughs> I'm gonna go on that cruise. Like, and it's okay that they're joyful things. And it's okay that many of them you'll get in another incarnation. And it's okay mm-hmm. that that your life is good and privileged in the state that it's in right now. And and that's still a loss. And so if you didn't give yourself a conscious your body and conscious self a space to really honor that loss, then your unconscious and your physiological phys- physical body is going to be processing that in the ways that it's allowed, which are silently.
0: Wow, that actually makes so much sense because I feel like every single thing that I would be upset about right now is a hashtag first world problem. And then um you know, you, like I feel bad because I'm upset about not being able to go on my cruise or my daughter not getting her internship and this other stuff. And then on the other hand, I see these long lines of people who are waiting to get food, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, "You're an asshole." But well, how about you? Agree that also feels not things. fair. <laughs>
1: That's not fair. Like both of those things are heartbreaking if they are sad then they're sad like what about that permission right of just being like i fucking hate that and i i bless because that's what i do i bless what i hate i bless the fact that this this pandemic has exposed the ways in which the people who always get hurt the most in our culture are getting hurt the most Right. Like that's true. That is true. That is that's not new information. That's just exacerbated. And it's heartbreak. It was heartbreaking two years ago when single black women were endangered when they were giving birth. And now they're even more in even more danger. Like it was heartbreaking before, it's heartbreaking now. It's exposed. The process of exposure is painful. And then you have personal losses, which are just your personal losses. Right. That's your life. You get to have all those feelings. So now you have all of those feelings, and you don't have a busy schedule mm.
0: to keep you from too thinking busy about it, to
1: thinking about them. <laughs> so, how do you make yeah. space to be with them? And I believe the body guides us in the alchemical. I believe our body, our vagina, our womb, the menstrual cycle, the rhythm of cycles guides us in the wisdom of how do we peak and have pleasure, and how do we gather and integrate and digest and then release the things that were good. Or that didn't serve us because we have to let go of all of that to make space for the next round. Like that's what our body is oh that's what our cells are doing every hour. Like, okay, we get to just let it go and and bring in more. We have to learn how to do that as a whole
0: system, consciously too, and culturally. That makes sense. And in partnership. You make a lot of sense. <laughs> should, we should be friends. I like you. <laughs> It's a pleasure to be with you, Um, truly. So just ridiculously near the end of our podcast here, Yeah. what's your thoughts on menopause?
1: Oh, menopause. Menopause, my thoughts on menopause is that menopause is a rite of passage. And it is a, again, right? This physiological body-based threshold that it's like, whether you like it or not, you get to go through this initiation it's 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 very rhythmic to me in the way that people who ha, who menstruate go through the process of menarche. and you don't get to choose whether or not you go through that initiation you just do right mm-hmm. and that as humans we have many initiations that we don't get to choose that we just if we 're still alive we get to do this next thing if our body works in this way we get to do this next thing and so so menopause is one of the um, uh, the body volunteered initiations that we go through and that it is a time when we are supposed to, um, become totally fed up with everything that no longer serves us so that we can <laughs> let it go we're supposed to. It's the transition of the mothering caregiving energy. It's into the, into the wise woman or the green witch or the um, it's like names for, right. So yeah. So Vicki Noble teaches the five phases. So there's the maiden mother crone and Vicki Noble teaches maiden lover, goddess, mother, wise woman crone. And so crone is really in that, in that paradigm, crone is that bridge between, um, between the worlds. And so it's really that deep seeing infinite self. And the wise one is similar to the li- lover goddess um, in that her purpose is not for others. Her purpose is for herself and inherently is of service to others when she does that when she is in her own rhythm, she will be of service. But that's her job me. is to, uh, that's you, <laughs> that's, that's you. And so it's, it's, it's right and appropriate that we have fiery anger is anger and frustration and disappointment are are some of the ways that we separate from things that we have a hard time separating from. And so <clears throat> It can be hard to give up the role of mother, caregiver, important centerpiece in someone else's life. That can be hard. It can be beautiful. For some people, it's not hard. For some people, they step into the next phase and they see their worthiness and they see their pleasure and they see, you know, postmenopausal women, uh, bodies specifically, postmenopausal bodies can orgasm sometimes statistically, it's like seven times more like easy. It's just like the body just can totally angle towards pleasure in a whole new way. But we're culturally told that she dries up and there's nothing to be had there. And it's like, no, no, no. She just has it real different. She has it real different. And and she gets that pleasure and joy when she lets go of what she was. And, and menopause is the threshold is the gateway in which the body releases the roles, the responsibilities, the biochemical attachments and the roles and responsibilities, and then comes new. And so the trueness of ourself comes through in a new way and how we share that comes through in a new way.
0: I was just thinking so, it's, it's that moment where you're like, I can't get pregnant, put a D in me. That's <laughs> <true>. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about a pill. You don't have to think about a condom. You don't have to think about anything. You're just like, I'm done. (laughs) You're not
1: ovulating. You're not menstruating. You're just like, I is like, grab that coconut oil. I am ready. Mm. You know? Massage massage me and tell me that I am a I'm brilliant and I am the reason why everything worked
0: for the past 35 years. Babies that we made and they're adults and they're amazing and I did that, uh, and yeah, that's right. But I mean, I did and that. I
1: did it. Worship me, lick me, leave me alone. I don't want to hear about <laughs> any of those. I'll tell you when.
0: Things. Yeah, I'll exactly. I'll send you a signal. I'll light I'll a candle. You, I'll,
1: le- I'll, I'll let you know. I'll flip the sign on the door. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the the phrases in, in in the medicine world of this time is the wise blood lives inside. So the wise blood being that menstrual time, that deep. Communing, meditation, um, kind of moon lodge, that that space, the the menopause bridge takes us into a time where the wise blood lives inside. And so you are always holding both the power and the potency of the menstruation and the power and the potency of the ovulation inside yourself. You're holding that. You don't that's it's there. It's powerful.
0: This was super interesting and way different than I thought it was going to go. But then again, every podcast has. <laughs> right? I, yeah, that's I know that feeling. So I am, let's see, I'm looking through. I like to end all my podcasts with a game. It is a game called Things I Don't Teach You in School. It's not a game, it's trivia. Um, things I Don't Teach You in School. It's a crazy mix of fun fact, random trivia, and totally u- useless knowledge. So our weird question sex question of the week i'm I'm flailing through because i try to hold Here's on once, one. I
1: want, you can do this one second i just need one second and then you'll have my full attention for for that i can take a drink because all this is going to be a, edited great great i have another appointment right now and i'm just going to let them know that i need another five minutes
0: Or right, we're done in like three minutes sorry yeah. no it's totally fine i didn't
1: i didn't tell you it was perfect i loved it okay
0: (laughs) okay perfect okay i'm back okay so the weird sex question of the week is according to experts how long does a person need to be with their partner before they reach the peak of their sex life
1: oh my goodness
0: i know these are really cool questions i love to bring them to wineries Fascinating. Okay. Right. How long does a like person need to be with their places. partner before they reach the peak of their sex life?
1: I want to say something like either two weeks or like seven to 14
0: years. It's an average of those two. It's uh, four years. Four. Four, four, four years. years. And I, you know what? I would say that's probably not the peak because I've been married for 23 years. I would say that's where you reach the peak comfort where you've reached the point where you're just going to be the most, you stop being worried about what they think. Hmm. Cause I would say <laughs> I, I, after being married, as long as I've been married, the peak was not at four years. <laughs> I mean, the peak was like three and a half weeks ago. What the fuck? What's I was gonna say, I was like, mm, no. We learn I, and do things, new things. All the, maybe if you got divorced after I was gonna five say, years, you know what I didn't say? I was like, it was like it's either two
1: weeks, seven years, or thirty years. Yeah. It's like really, you know. I just feel like like everything. If like like I'm skeptical of this research. Is what happens for me in this question? Yes. How much of these people that they're testing? Cultivate sexual practice as a skill or as a, a, a something that is rooted in themselves or is it just a partnership, right? Because my sexual peaking is going to happen until the day I go off this planet in cycles, right? Because I just, uh, I just in cycles because I just went through a chapter of the shit was shut the fuck down, right. but I'll tell you what, it'll come back online. And when it comes back online, everything that I learned and healed and grew in myself is going to enrich my ability for, Vitality, intimacy, openness, um, trusting my body, all of those things. So I'm an, I understand that four years feels like a like a solid time for like a relational stability, but then peaking is a, yeah. is a bizarre, that's like if you stop. I think people, most people get to that level organically and then they think they can hang out there. And I and think that's like a, I don't yeah, know. This, that's my, this
0: actually doesn't bode well for long-term marriages. If you think the peak, of your sex life is gonna be when you're four years I in i don't buy it who the uh-uh. hell would want to this be research, married longer than i want to know years? this research
1: was ran by men this research exactly. was ran by men you, that there is a peak a peak to your sexuality is, a, no is a masculine framework a, a i'm gonna say a patriarchal framework that there's a fucking top it's a cycle if you're not dead definitely game's not over
0: right i think maybe I yet to have the
1: best sex of your life
0: i think maybe when Never they did listening. this research they weren't looking at people who are in really really long-term relationships because there's definitely plateaus, there's definitely dips, there's definitely days you were like, or even years where you're like, why am I here? And then all of a sudden you're like, zing, and you hit a new level. So, yeah, it's a fun question to bring up, but I don't think that one is true. So, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> good Sophia, conversation, good conversation. Yeah. Where can we find you?
1: Come to me, <laughs> uh, come to me, darlings. Uh, you can find all my like wild adventures, my. My live events that will be coming, my Patreon, my podcasts, my blog, my newsletter at my website, sophiawiseone.com. You can find all of those things there. And I hang out the most and play the most on Instagram and at Sophia Wise One. Um, but I'm on all the socials at Sophia Wise One. So, but come to my website, get connected, sign up for my newsletter, come join my Patreon, get in on the goods. Uh, and uh, and just, yeah, be part of the convos. Would love to have you around. Lots
0: of talk about vaginas, which makes me happy. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at, at Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. You can also find me at Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. And I've set up a Facebook group just for this podcast so you can participate in polls, ask questions politely, share an alternate point of view, and generally let us know what you think of this episode and any other episode. So search Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast on Facebook. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you happen to listen to me and share this with your friends. Thank you so much for being on my show, Sophia. It was really a pleasure talking to you and you've given me some great insights and now I don't feel so bad about being fat. Thank you.
1: <laughs> awesome. My pleasure. Love being here. You are radiant and, and you're, you're beautiful. I love being with you today. I'm grateful for your work and your, your message and all that you are. Had a blast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.